Shall we go ahead and launch into this week's very special holiday episode? One of the things me and Vod like to do uh, is go through our list and see where we pick up new uh, new listeners. Uh, so this this episode is very much dedicated to our international listeners. Um, we're we're learning a little bit about you guys uh, in the most uh, interesting and decontextualized way possible. So, internet. <laughs> I'm looking up Romanian Christmas now. Shout out to Romania. <laughs> oh, dude! Uh, apparently, in the Ukraine, they have uh, Christmas webs. Christmas what? Uh, Christmas cobwebs. Co- Christmas cobwebs. Okay. Yeah. So uh, tradition goes back to a folk tale about a poor widow who couldn't afford to decorate her tree uh, for her children. Uh, so legend has it spiders in the house took pity on the family's plight, spun beautiful webs all over the tree, which the children awoke to find on Christmas morning. Spiders webs are also to be considered to be lucky uh, in the Ukraine. Tells you everything you need to know about the Ukraine. Spiders. Like, I feel like traditions them. are the cultural equivalent of what a regional delicacy is. So like every regional delicacy is just what poor people ate right? Like lobsters and clams were not high ticket items back in the day. Those were what poor people ate, but they are a delicacy now and harder to get to, you know, almost like, uh, like diamonds. Like there's a shortage of diamonds. They just control the supply. So they're pricier. So I like, I feel like culturally traditions are very much the same thing. Right. So when you're looking at these traditions, the only reason they are traditions are because that's what the poor people do. Mm. Like, okay. I feel like there are. I can support that thesis. All right, here we go. Uh, and this one's great. And, and I don't understand why we haven't appropriated this one. The Icelandic Yule Cat. So uh, basically, it roams around the countryside at Christmas and eats people who haven't gotten new clothes for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the tradition apparently has like uh, roots in the fact that like uh, farmers would traditionally gift new clothes to their workers. Uh, so that was like their work hard incentive. So not only is it like work hard and you get a new pair of duds, but also the Yule cat won't eat you on the way home. 
Yeah, so you need to work harder. Otherwise, the Yule Cat will eat you because your boss doesn't like you enough. So uh, quick quick look up on uh, Romanian uh, Christmas, since we're just going to kind of chunk through a few of these here. Uh, granted, this is the internet. Uh, t- tell me if this is wrong, because it sounds like something I would make up and write on the internet. Uh, Christmas season in Romania kicks off right after St. Andrew's Day, November 30th, when according to local legends, vampires and evil spirits come to light. I'm fucking loving this. Like, you can't get out of vampires in Romania. They just lay it in thick right off the bat. Uh, From that period in between, they have uh, Romania's National Day, December 1st, and then another day to celebrate a saint that they hold in high regard, I guess. And I love the uh, Romanian version of his name better than the English translation, uh, Moz Nicol. Um, That's way more badass sounding than Saint That sounds like a Ghostbusters villain. Malls Nicole, like Saint Nicholas, so Saint is Malls and Nicole. Yep, is that is way more badass. I'm calling him that from now on. I'm gonna get the trans or the the, uh, the pronunciation right because uh, if you're gonna, I you love know, that you said pronunciation right. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, but the children do receive gifts from yes, Santa. Yes, so they didn't fuck that up. They didn't. They didn't take Santa being the the, uh, the gift giver away. So it's all still traditional form. <laughs> Well, and okay, they just, just uh, spice it up with some vampire action. Love it. <laughs> well, and here's something that supports like the weird uh, supernatural Christmas. I mean, not only do, is it like familiar to like you know English culture. There's Dickens, man. He wrote one of the greatest like Christmas ghost stories ever, right? Apparently, in Norway, they just have flying witches, like uh, mischievous spirits and witches take to their sky for general tomfoolery love that the article here uses tomfoolery and then also uh one of the things i've got pulled up you know and this is icelandic christmas are the yule lads um this is two uh two sons uh or not two sons i'm sorry 13 sons of gryla and lepulati uh and they harass the population like local populations and stuff um and they come to the town one by one during the last 13 nights of Christmas uh, and leave small gifts in their shoes. Uh, but the kids have been disobedient. They leave a potato instead. Yeah, potato shoes. <laughs> yeah, getting like practical things uh, seems the to be cold. like a punishment. And then getting like, you know, the, the fanciful things and toys and stuff seems to be a, an ongoing like, you know, trope over over christmas here uh i actually think i remember yule lads from an episode of sabrina on netflix (laughs) but like yeah i mean i I love that basically like uh yeah it's christmas i've got these 13 kids are going to come down and vandalize you if you haven't you you basically you have to survive the hazing and not be disobedient to get the toy in your shoe and not the potato and how good's the toy I'm guessing it's an orange and a couple of peanuts. <laughs> you know, old school Christmas. Oh, like if your parents really loved you, you survived. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I had pretty like weird old school like gifts uh, that that kind of then this is why I got into like Christmas tradition stuff uh, is like I would always get like uh, apples and oranges and uh brazil nuts and walnuts and and stuff uh in the stockings kind of as filler and i'm like why 
And then like, eventually dad, you know, sat me down and talked to me about it. And like, you know, kind of, he was like, well, this stuff was hard to come by back in the day. So yeah. when you got this, like, this was a it really was a like, deal. yeah, big deal, special thing. And I'm like, so could we keep that up and like put something that's really hard to come by today in the stocking? Cause apples and oranges are really easy to get now. <laughs> like, I feel like the sentiment, the sentiment is lost is, you know, if you're going ahead and like, well, I got apples, so I'm going to give my kids apples. It's like, well, no, no, no. The sentiment is this is hard to come by. So like you know, uh, here's some USB new- charging boxes, just a little bit to get into the wall. <laughs> like there's just like loose ones of those tossed in there. Yeah, uh, that's Elton John great. ticket. Your stocking's full of double A and triple A batteries, some, uh, some <laughs> USB charging ports. There's an actual like USB portable charger that you can use to charge your phone when you're out. Uh, somebody posted something the other day. It was like you know what accessories do I come with? And I was like, man, we all come with the same three accessories, wallet, keys, phone. Every single one of us has the exact same accessories. Like no matter how like unique and individual you are, if you're not carrying like a samurai sword, a wanted poster and like, you know, like Tinder box, you're not crushing it that hard. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I actually want to uh, normalize carrying swords, like open carrying swords. Uh, I feel like this would be a safer maneuver and much cooler looking than like, you know, uh, Second Amendment things. Uh, Also, I've also been reading a whole bunch of stories about this guy who's been like beating people to death with wooden practice swords since he was like 13. Uh, So I kind of have this whole like, uh, romanticized notion about swords going on at the moment. <laughs> See, I have been disabused of the romantic uh, aspects of swordsmanship since I have to battle my way to do anything every single day. I have to lightsaber fight. Every day I wake up with a lightsaber thrust in my hand or more often my face with the cryptic phrase... <laughs> Well, not even cryptic. It's so excitingly uttered. Fight me, daddy. And that's every day. Yeah, but I what literally say? left a crying <laughs> child downstairs because I had to put the lightsaber down to come up and record this episode. And we had been battling, I kid you not, for hours. We, we battled while we decorated the tree. We battled while we watched a movie. We battled while we ate dinner. And I was like, I got to stop and go upstairs. It was like the ultimate betrayal. So sword fighting is like the romanticism of it is, is lost on me to some degree because every day I get my knuckles hammered by what is essentially a drunk two-year-old whose idea of swordsmanship is swinging wildly. Yeah, you got to get a better practice partner. I mean, <laughs> granted, uh, like, as far as chaotic pygmies go, you <laughs> are like an expert fighter. Like, <laughs> Dude, I, You don't even know how many times I have, like, I'm, I'm trying to anticipate the unpredictable, which has left <laughs> me in what I qualify as, like, a zen flow state. <laughs> 
but one really unique tradition that we actually have in the U.S. that does not happen anywhere else in the world, but one that I was never exposed to is the Christmas pickle. Have you guys ever seen the Christmas pickle? Uh, actually, yeah. The Christmas no. pickle comes from Germany. No, it does not. It does not? They said it did, but Germans are like, hell no, this is not ours. So it starts in parts of the Midwest, right? Hanging a pickle-shaped ornament. The idea is that the first child to spot the Christmas pickle gets good luck for the rest of the year or potentially an extra present. Most Americans think that it's a venerable old world custom brought over by German immigrants. Some people even call it by its German name, Weihnachtsgurke. But there's a problem. The Christmas pickle is completely unheard of in Germany. Its origins are mostly mysterious, but the most likely theory is that it was invented by 19th century department stores to sell more glass baubles. Just like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, your Christmas tradition is an ad campaign. You know what? No. This was a, this was a really well-engineered prank. This is a solid arching. So there are some German immigrants, like, you know, hanging out, you know, in the, the Northwest, North, Midwest, I'm sorry. And, uh, the Northwest of the Midwest, you know, <laughs> Dakotas. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, like Chicago area, that stuff like that. And they're just taking a piss over some Americans over the holiday. Yeah, yeah, we totally hang pickles in the trees. It's cool, so, yeah. <laughs> do you know how I know this is not a real tradition? Because where I lived in Indiana, now Indiana is full of Germans. There are literally some towns. I had to learn German to go trick-or-treating in Indianapolis. All right? That's because- And there are some towns like Jasper, Indiana, which is like just German, 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 German. All right? (laughs) Well, really, like Indiana, because I knew it was big in like- Areas of like Pennsylvania. So I guess where the Amish are big. Yeah. Because I mean, I know that like uh, white supremacy has a pretty big contingent in the, uh, in, in Indianapolis, in Indiana. They, they, there are some racists. Um, so oh. one of the other things about this, so the reason I'm calling shenanigans on this Christmas pickle is not once in all the years I spent in Indiana with people of German descent, did one person ever talk about a Christmas pickle? I did not hear about it until I came back down to the South. And then you get these like, oh, these, like part of me wonders if this is even a real thing or if it's a fake, hey, weird America thing. Cause I don't know anybody who ever did this. I'm telling and you, if this I were going to come across it, I was 100% gonna, gonna come across it in Indiana. Well, if you're fans of The Office, a real German thing is Belsnickel. So Belsnickel is kind of like uh, Krampus, but yeah. uh, like it's kind of, you know, their, their version of that. And I've seen, that's a thing that pops up a lot is like the quote unquote version of Krampus. Even it, boil, there's one that boils down to straight up just uh, the Yule Goat. 
like, you know, it's kind of Krampus even devolved down to that. Um, but yeah, Bell Snickle. Uh, basically kind of the the same thing you know doles out uh gifts to the the good kids and uh like whips you know and punishes the the, the bad kids <laughs> um and that's my my favorite uh like kind of trope with with the krampus characters they're always like whipping people with like a bundle of sticks yeah like, the birch stick yeah. <laughs> birch in particular, Birch. Mm. Um, I'd have to say my favorite holiday tradition is Cagatillo. So we were, <laughs> talking, about, we, we, we were talking about Kaga, uh, we were talking about Kikuji earlier, right? We talked about Kiku. Kiku is from Kabbalah. One day, uh, this is right after uh, Hunter was, I guess he, he was just about to turn five. And Kiku, who loves bikes, and is just the kindest, sweetest, most awesome human being on earth, with an amazing wife, two beautiful kids. So he loves bikes, and he was like, you know what? I'm going to buy your kid a bike. So he bought a bike for my boy, built it, and then we went to go pick it up. And when I get over there, he is smashed, just five sheets, and is just the warmest, happiest drunk you've ever seen in your life. So we get out back and there's this creature there. And I ask him about it and he gets really excited. And he explains to me the tradition of Kaga Tio. Kaga means poop. Tio means uncle. Kaga Tio literally means uncle pooper. Here's the kicker. Kaga Tio is not a human being. Kaga Tio is an animal. And when he's trying to explain this to me, it makes zero sense. He's like, so we go, we get an animal from the forest and we beat it with hot pokers until it poops presents. What? Here's what happens. You have a, an animal that you make out of wood, right? It's a log and you stick little legs on it and you give it a little face and then you put a blanket over it and you invite children up to beat it with a hot stick and they sing a song. The Cagatillo song. Uh, let me see if I... <laughs> and you have There's to feed it. You have to feed it every night for like a certain span of days. Otherwise, there's nothing to poop. So they, they, uh, there is a sense of logic here. It goes, poop, Tio, Tio of Christmas. Don't poop herrings. They're too salty. Poop nougat. They are tastier. We're poop. hoping poop nougats. Yeah, poop yeah, and that apparently that's what you feed it. Is hazelnuts and curd. If you don't poop well, I'll hit you with a stick. Poop, Tio. <laughs> it's great. It's great. So uh, then they pull up the blanket, and the child's president present will be under the blanket. That's insane. <laughs> it's my. It's probably my favorite holiday tradition. Uh, however, at a close second is the Caracas tradition of roller skate Christmas. Yeah. Roller skate Christmas. People roll around on roller skates, and children tie 
strings around their big toe and dangle them out the window. And the skaters roll by and tug on the strings. Of course. <laughs> sounds like a um yeah go ahead try and <laughs> no, i was gonna say this sounds like a live movie like miranda july if you're familiar with uh any of her work um she makes some interesting, uh, like indie movies, um, and one of one of the movies that uh, like this made me think of immediately was uh, "You, Me, and Everyone We Know," and uh, yeah, it's just this kind of like it starts dude, off and uh, dude, that 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 movie was powerful and horrifying at the same time. Yeah. No, it was very weird. I mean, it was uh, it, it was very interesting, and I mean, very much horrifying. You you hit that on the head. Uh, also, just quirky and and uh, interestingly like abstract. Uh, she's like you know I don't know. Um, <laughs> she's like a, a sunnier version of Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it sounds like something. You, you remember how that movie kicks off? Remember her she... black and white film, Apple Pie? <laughs> uh, but no, you remember how that movie kicks off and she's like uh, playing the recording and she's recording herself giving these affirmations and like, and it's just her in the room and like, you know, gearing up for what eventually becomes this like art. Yeah, this sounds like one of those projects that she, that chick came up with. Like, all right, guys, I need everybody. I'm just going to roll around and angle your toe strings. I'm just going to pull your toe strings. And that's how you know you're special. Really? I, I would have guessed that after you, me, and everyone we know, Cagatio uh, would have been that thing, except you've got to pass the present between your butt cheeks. I didn't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. Uh, I don't think we've spoiled it. I think, if anything, we have potentially, you know what? I'm just going to leave it there. Suffice to say, uh, it doesn't take long for you to get that to that part of the movie. Um, how, you know, one of the things that I think that we are missing, and I'm just, I'm just going to throw this out here, is a holiday element featuring God's wife. So it, most people don't know that in the early uh, form of like Jehovah worship, right? proto-judaism yeah like before the maccabees um god had a wife the maccabees <laughs> right <laughs> god had a wife asherah and she was worshipped in the household right and this feels like such a christmas possibility i just like i i, I feel like uh i feel like we shouldn't let the uh misogynist temptations of the proto-judaist uh mindset deny us of some potentially unique additional christmas time offerings whoa whoa, whoa. what do you have against party bachelor god i have <laughs> party 
bachelor guy. Like, what, what do you have against like party bachelor god sitting up there in heaven, kicking like throwing back sixers, making platypuses, like <laughs> snakes? <laughs> These are easy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it was? They they weren't actually married. They went on a few dates, and then she uh, left him. And then like heaven is the equivalent of like God. A huge TV studio on, yeah, like a seventy-seven inch TV, and then like a lawn chair and like the best gaming system ever. And this is how, yeah, like uh, nectar and mana. (laughs) Yeah, the ethereal bachelor. Like, there's there's no food in his fridge, but you better believe that there's at least five and a half beers. Uh, it's a it's a miracle this beer never unfills we never run out of cooking oil for these hot wings i mean uh i don't think you're wrong uh and i think that's an interesting uh thing to bring up uh you know it's a very old 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 tradition but one of the things that i see that you know uh, it's actually mentioned in the bible too very much so but one of the patterns I see is very much uh, in old world traditions, there's good Santa Claus, bad Santa Claus. So like Santa Claus in, in and of himself, like even though he's kind of, you know, obviously based on a real person, St. Nicholas and stuff, but the, the mythology behind it kind of builds into essentially like an analog for, you know, God and Satan, like going around, you know, uh, rewarding the faithful, punishing the, the wicked uh, and in this, in this case, it's very specifically like geared to children. This is probably the earliest like children's like marketing campaign uh, that we can put a finger on. <laughs> like, all right. So how do we market uh, eternal reward and eternal damnation to kids? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. So I know Jesus was born in July because you know, like the, the, the sheep were out of the, like they were out to pasture. They wouldn't be out to pasture in, in fucking December. That's crazy. I mean, I know about livestock. I'm a bronze age, you know, fucking goat herder. So bronze age was before Jesus's time. God, nerd. No, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there. I'm just throwing no, this I'm... out there. But yeah, so, you know, they, they essentially moved, That's the uh, we know for a fact the church moved, uh, you know, Christmas to kind of coincide with Saturnalia. other holidays to begin with. Yeah, it was Saturnalia. Uh, well, uh, I mean, yeah, Saturnalia, Yule, um, and it goes by other few, you know, cultural things, but mostly, I mean, I think that that's essentially the same thing that's happened here is, uh, how do we create, we create the microcosm of, you know, reward and punishment in a way that kids will understand. And how do we interject that? Well, we do it one day, hardcore year after year. Do you know what I told my clones today? Oh man, we've been like working the hell out of it. We've called him on the cell phone. Like we've called Santa in front of the, oh dude. And that shuts him right down. They're like, we gotta be good. Uh, Now that started losing its magic a little bit. So what I've done is, I've totally turned my house into a hypothetical surveillance state. <laughs> Anything that looks like Santa Claus reports to Santa Claus. You're doing 
1984 elf on the shell? Yes, I am. <laughs> I would expect nothing less from you. <laughs> uh, so... Quiet time. <laughs> And so, like, when things get out of hand, I'm like, hey, 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 shh, the, the statues are watching. <laughs> and we have to politely step into the other room and we have to be quiet because they have microphones. So we're like, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> when, when, when this all crumbles down on you in a few years, it's going to go south fast, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I've realized now that no matter what happens, uh, the second uh, my kids discover the internet in high school, in their high school years that way, uh, I've created conspiracy theorists. Um, <laughs> like, I, I'm prepared for that. <laughs> so, I know that this is not new information, but we were talk talking about why Christmas takes place on December 25th, Right. Do you guys know which gods that predate Jesus had birthdays on December 25th? And we're I mean, born Yeah, we, we've had this discussion over, over a few years. Uh, and uh, Savage actually did this really cool mandala that kind of explains the whole thing. And there's a bunch of symbolism. And it, it actually took him quite... I, I want, how many Christmases did it take you to... To finish this? Uh, four. And I have it somewhere still. Um, you got me think I actually have it right here. But yeah, no, uh, it, it is really remarkable like how many saviors that show up in the, the, it, the same pattern of, of story. Bam, yeah. Yeah. It is all of Christmas tradition in one fell swoop. <laughs> Um, because some of these, like, let, let's just run through the gods. You've got uh, Horus, you know, <laughs> you know, Horus and Balder and Mithra, and Iris, Addis, Mithra, Heracles, and Tammuz, Dionysus. But do you recall Adonis just wanted to ball? Oh, we couldn't do it without some singing in the episode, right? It's Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It uh, it was a very frequent and common thing. And of course, if you're the hot new religion on the block, it is incumbent upon you to make it as easy as possible to switch. Like, hey, we're just going to tap in to this tradition like Saturnalia was like the biggest deal in the Roman world. So we're just going to latch onto that. And, and I got to tell you, that is one area where I feel like the Catholic church does not get enough credit. And that is for preserving the late Imperial Roman experience through the modern age. Oh yeah, totally. Like all the way through <laughs> Uh, <laughs> clearly all the way through till Pope John Paul II's the run. <laughs> run. Um, no, uh, I mean, it's interesting that, you, you know, you, you say, uh, you know, preservation that way. Um, because it is incidentally, like when you, when you do have that appropriation, 
you oh, know that really one good. kernel of of originality always holds like holds true somewhere you know like no matter what we do like at the end of the day uh why i really enjoy christmas and christmas related holidays is because it's all tied into one like uh essentially you know uh survival idea like this comes from old old humanity like you know before you know 90 year lifespans on the regular like 80 90 year you know lifespans when oh well we need to go ahead and get all the family together before it gets too too cold because you know nana's not going to make it and little tommy down there has a cough so yeah mm. back when uh, life was nasty brutish and short yeah and so like everybody decided to just kind of put it all down you know, uh, culturally speaking, and it's one of those things that just pop up like beer and dragons and pyramids. It's like just such an awesome idea. Everybody had it. Wait, did um, Charles Dickens get you that badly? Did you say little Timmy down there, like a tiny Tim? <laughs> like, did he nail you that hard with the story so many that, times? I, I think that might have been more Mr. Wizard than. Uh, than <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. We're gonna need another Timmy. <laughs> Yeah, in my mind, this was like Nordic Timmy. Tim spelled with like two eyes or something like that. Like, uh, and, and there yeah, no, he went, there are no vowels. <laughs> yeah, like tiny Nordic Timmy went on his first raid at the age of seven, caught an arrow, and like limped on back home. And he's he's coughed it out for like you know two months. But like, let's be honest, he's not going to see another season, dog. <laughs> no. no. Uh. Uh, and one of my favorite Christmases, real quick before we move on, uh, and uh, da, 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 I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and start saying it so Savage here can start doing a little bit of the clickety clack uh, while I talk about it. Uh, the World War One Christmas uh, was that 1916, 1917? Talking about the soccer game? No. Christmas truce. Oh. No, that was World Christmas War II. truce. Yeah, 1914. 1914. Yeah, well, I guess it was the soccer game. When you say soccer game, ha, huh, that's funny. You you really love soccer. I was more seeing it as like the Christmas truce where they're being pals and drinking. He's like, no, yeah, no, 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 no. That's the There's first like England on. versus German game. <laughs> yeah, that's and like a world cup that got to happen them, <laughs> And then we put like that on hold, beat the shit out of them in the war, and then kept the soccer grudge going. <laughs> They're Germany. losing the war, and they're like, "Can we just go to penalty kicks? Like, <laughs> we might get them on that." Like, <laughs> Can you imagine how many lives would have been saved if they just decided to fight it out with penalty kicks? Not that goalies. Uh, that's for damn sure. <laughs> the needs of the many, my friend. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, just to make it really interesting we're gonna put uh, scuba flippers on your hands <laughs> and your feet all right go so uh the christmas truce uh something like so uh for those who may not know the reference in world war one in the trenches right the trenches the trench thing happened pretty early once war kicked off uh out of necessity right? You can't hide from machine guns unless you've got trenches out there. And once those lines got established, they stuck around for most of the war. They didn't really move much. 
And so uh, it's Christmas and you start hearing people singing and, you know, eventually people kind of stand up, they wave a white flag, put their guns down and people start crossing the lines. They're sharing food, showing pictures of their kids, singing songs, drinking, treating each other like people. It drove the officers nuts. The officers were losing control. And uh, the next day, when it came time to resume battle, they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to shoot the guy that they had just shared a meal with. They just seen pictures of his kids. And this is both sides. So from that point on, the officers made sure there would never be another Christmas truce because they wanted to make sure that all these good men would go out there and kill these other good men. Metal. <laughs> there's a, uh, there's a, I don't want to call it a game, but there's a thing that I talk about with my kids all the time. And it's what makes good men do bad things. What will make a good man? If I were to bring in Ha One right now and say, what makes good men do bad things? He will list off four, five, possibly six things. The first of which is almost always religion or country. Another is greed, right? Another is like unrequited love. And we're, the reason I stress this so hard with them is I don't want my kids to find themselves in that Christmas truce position where they know they're being asked to do something morally reprehensible for someone else's benefit at a good person's expense. Because dignity is a gift you give yourself and it's something you never get back once it's lost. You know what? Fine, I'll take the hint. They, I won't try to use your kids as drug mules anymore. <laughs> um so, by the way this, uh, I just go ahead oh i was just gonna say so when i heard the story originally and they mentioned a bit about there was a, a soccer match played on that day out on the uh there was you know what my only thought was you know i bet i'd roll an ankle that was the only thing i could honestly think about was i'm just like there ha there couldn't have been any nice soft patch of grass like come on you're gonna like mess yourself up and you can't fight tomorrow like, oh no i mean you have to think uh no man's land might was probably a pretty solid like playing field uh, all the, the the little bombs and little any nicks and uh, nah man you, you roll an ankle on grass like it's like been mowed yesterday like <laughs> how many yeah i was gonna say how many soccer balls do you think they went through in in that like short span like uh, one rolls off is like, yeah, I'm not going to go get it in Zatsfield. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, they definitely um, didn't do it in uh, Vietnam. Can't go uh, playing soccer in those fields. Might, uh, might <laughs> Dude, go all Tropic Thunder. Like. <laughs> uh, one guy wrote in 2011, Mike Dash concluded, there's plenty of evidence that football was played that Christmas day, mostly by men of the same nationality but in at least three or four places between troops from the opposing armies. Uh, there was also apparently a week long embargo on any stories about this on the U S side and the German side uh, after about a week, they published an article saying fraternization 
weapon was treason and punishable by death. Yeah. The officers were not thrilled. They needed you to get out there and kill those guys. Oh, mostly they were jealous they weren't invited. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, apparently something like this also happened over on the Japanese side. Uh, I want to say it was in... Uh, <laughs> it was beach volleyball game. Fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> beach volleyball and fried chicken. There we go. <laughs> well, so, yeah. Like, like, yeah. Where do you, when you think about the worst battlefields in World War One or World War Two, right? Like in World War Two, the worst battlefields were not in Europe. The worst battlefields were in Indonesia and the Philippines. Far and away. The best jungle troops weren't the Japanese, weren't the Americans. The best jungle troops were the Australians. Something they do not get a whole lot of credit for. But the fighting in the in that section of the world was just god awful. Like I mean, and the entire premise of the Japanese uh, strategy here was that we'll just dump people in here, tell them to fight to the death, never resupply them, and just let them take on like you know troops. Like the U.S. and the Allies are gonna have to spend troops to go get them. So you're in the thick of the worst fighting in the war. And the, the stories you might've heard about what the Japanese were doing to prisoners of war was true, right? Every worst thing you've ever heard about what the Japanese would do to POWs and anybody they captured is absolutely true. And what I didn't know until very recently was why they did that. They did that because they wanted to make sure that if the allies caught any Japanese troops, they would deface them, disfigure them, scar them, treat them as horribly as they treated their own POWs, which means the Japanese wouldn't want to defect because they knew what they were asking them to do was awful. So it's Christmas time and these Japanese guys have not gotten a resupply. <laughs> it's Christmas time. I'm holding this bucket of faces. <laughs> and the, Just the skins. The allied, like troops, <laughs> the allied troops get food. Food is extraordinarily hard to come by out there. And one Japanese guy just decides he can't take it anymore. So he strips naked, stands up, waves a white flag, goes over. And a couple hours later, comes back with more food. Like, and it just, it, of course, the next day, it, it all went to shit again. But for a brief moment, this Japanese guy got some straight up Christmas dinner. And that may be where this whole KFC thing came from. Because bear in mind, what, this is 25 years after the war? when the KFC thing happens. And Beast, can you explain the Japanese obsession with KFC at Christmas time? Uh, so it's all down to an ad campaign, uh, a really successful ad campaign uh, built on dirty, dirty lies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things uh, I've actually been kind of getting into uh, incidentally lately uh, is just Japanese cultural things. I've been playing a lot of Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, so I've been listening to a lot of like Japanese lectures and stuff. And uh, that's how I found out about the, the KFC thing initially was through a great courses lecture. 
And then come to find out, uh, so KFC shows up in Japan in 1970, right? And it's actually uh, the, what was it? Uh, uh, the, the franchising uh, license is actually given to the Mitsubishi Corporation. And so uh, four years later, when they're starting to like, you know, they've been handing out franchises, they've gotten things established and more so they're established in the cities. They run a wildly popular Christmas campaign called uh, Kentucky for Christmas. Uh, at which point, like, you know, the uh, KFC, like one of the KFC owners in Japan um, basically propagated this lie that uh, Americans ate fried chicken on Christmas. And so not only are they creating this whole, you know, they they uh, eat fried chicken on Christmas, but apparently before then, um, they didn't really culturally celebrate Christmas for any real reason. I mean, I know that there's a small Christian population in Japan, so I know that that would be big in their homes, but like uh, going through the history, Christians have been purged out of that country so many times. <laughs> uh, it's just kind of a big deal that like, fried chicken is what Chris got Christmas to culturally take hold. <laughs> I feel like the roots for this were planted by the Portuguese. Like, so you, you know what tempura is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know where that came from? The Portuguese. Mm -hmm. the, the Japanese didn't fry food in batter prior to the Portuguese. The Portuguese introduced it. And I guess you'd call it, uh, um, you know, cultural appropriation, uh, but they went through and <clears throat> grabbed it and were like, this is ours now. We're doing it our way. It's called fusion cuisine. You um. know, I, I, <laughs> I have had this discussion on numerous occasions. I, I feel like it is one of my more unpopular views uh, because I, it, it, with people who think they understand the subject, but might not have ooh, really ooh, considered ooh. it. Is this your, you're saying that this is a, like a bad take, like a shitty take, like a shiitake. Shiitake. <laughs> it's a hatake. When you <laughs> want a clit ring without a big deal, where are you going to shop? Hot. <laughs> oh, Merry Christmas. Uh, but I digress. So, um, like, I actually don't have a problem with cultural appropriation, and I would like to encourage the heck out of it. Steal everything. So you Play like around Bruno with Mars. all of it. What's that? So you do like Bruno Mars. Dude, uh, Bruno <laughs> Mars is the, like, most talented leprechaun America's produced <laughs> ever. Like, that dude's rainbow is, like, his rainbow is melody, and his pot of gold is hits. It's a pot of gold records. Like, you know, he started off as a three-year-old Elvis impersonator. <laughs> That's a true story. There's just people calling, I need a three-year-old Elvis. Shit, we're all out. It, Wait, get his, Bruno. Get called Bruno. His dad was an Elvis impersonator, dude. I feel like Bruno Mars, I feel like he is really easy to hate on because he's been so successful. But, you know, it's really easy to look and say someone has had overnight success after they've been grinding away at their career for 20 years. Like, that, that dude put in the work. You know, uh, 
really like it, it it's easy to um hate on somebody uh in their time but when they're going to be like recognized uh really like okay as long as bruno mars can make it to his death without a sex scandal he's going to be like the bob ross of music for you know the next generation I don't uh, think he'll be like the next like barry gordy fast he will cut you yeah, so, I mean, Barry Gordy would cut you too. He was raised in Detroit. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, the hook for "Want You Back." He he's actually the one who wrote "Want You Back." Interesting. He came up with the melody while he was just walking down the street, and then gave it to the Jackson Five, and was like, "Make this another hit." <laughs> and they did. Man, I would. Oh, I didn't know Otis Redding was only twenty six when he died. Yeah, you know why he sounded so old on uh, Dock of the Bay? He had just had surgery on his throat, and he was trying to do a country soul fusion album. And Dock of the Bay was the uh, was the result of that recording session. Yeah, because it sounds completely unlike the rest of his catalog. Merry Christmas! What you got, Bob Dylan? <laughs> um, I figure uh, if we interject that so often we're good <laughs> yeah so what are some other Christmas now Vaughn you have been particularly silent about your favorite Christmas traditions what are they uh personal favorite traditions or, or from around the world from around the know, world we're, we're uh, gonna okay speculate. Well, we were going to speculate on the vaudeville and family Christmas real quick uh all right so vaudeville and family christmas uh he is gifted a soccer ball every year and a new abba album uh <laughs> only to replace the abba album that he like has already burned through from last year because like he yeah, really okay. like, listens to it hard like the mp3s don't get the quality he needs uh <laughs> he i carry a vinyl player <laughs> He has an actual stocking, not a stocking, but an actual stocking from the old world that has been uh, handed down since the first of his family's namesake, the Villains uh, from the 12th century uh, in merry old England. And uh, it has been passed down. It's a little bit shorter because people used to be shorter back in the day. They didn't have quality nutrition. Uh, it has been tugged on by children of many generations. It's quite much stiff. like. <laughs> um, and it is often filled with uh, with oranges and tree nuts. And there is one yeah. like and there is one like hay farthing in the toe <laughs> that he takes out every year. And that is what starts his like that's the the like seed for his like gambling pot every year is this lucky family like hay farthing that he takes down to like the the casino with him for good luck uh while he's drinking mint juleps uh that's his christmas good, drink is mint juleps mixed nice with horchata because it tastes like <laughs> i don't see him i don't see vaude as a mint julep guy i feel like he is like like scotch he's he's no no he's irish whiskey it's uh because screw no, no, his Irish. favorite mixed drink is just straight up orange juice and toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> What's the dog tail name for that? That's good. 
honey. I'm home. I hope my sandwich is ready. Oh, your roots are showing, and you know how we feel about that. I'm Amber Gold, International OSI Super Spy. And ladies, let me tell you, it's harder than it looks. Stopping Sphinx in the Guild is easy, but keeping these naughty roots from peeking out is the real battle. Ventec and Dummy Corps are proud to introduce Voop, a new line of feminine health and beauty products for the super science-minded ladies on the go. Time for your hair treatment. One trip to the nozzle took my amazingly lush hair from dishwater to gold. Ah, that's much better. Now, that sandwich isn't gonna make itself, babe. Triangle cut, no crust, heavy mayo, and those little toothpicks with the colored plastic ends on them, blue only. Voop, hair dye. Because he's fantasizing about blondes anyway. Thanks to Voop, I can keep my man happy and my coworkers satisfied. Very satisfied. Found wherever abrasive chemicals are sold. Side effects may include tingling or burning sensation, loss of hair, scalp pain, rapid nasal hair growth, hallucination, spontaneous male lactation, and loss of life. Not for sale in Europe, Canada, Wonderland, or Taiwan. Products may contain orphans. So how do we do? How accurate are well, we? The minty morning. <laughs> we'll get sunrise. Uh, um, it's, called, uh, it's it's called the Irish breakfast. <laughs> the morning after drink. Oh. <laughs> so um, fairly close on the uh, what's going on on the, the the there are many pictures of a young odd villain with uh, new jerseys, new soccer ball, new cleats. Uh, you're nailing definitely me up to about 12, 13, 14 years old to a T there. I want to say the stocking wasn't passed down, but I had had it since I was little and looked old as shit. So damn near right with that one. Um, I did spend a couple Christmases back in England. So nailed the merry old England aspect. Like you're fucking hitting it hard. Um, and then just to roll into my personal favorite Christmas tradition, it doesn't actually happen in England until the day after, but all of the um, teams in the top league over in England for uh, fo uh, football over there, uh, I've been trying to say soccer over and over again, and it keeps killing me. Um, they all play on the day afterwards. I think at the same time or just throughout the morning over three or four hours of uh, start time. So there's like 10 games to watch. So I always take Boxing Day off because we also do Boxing Day over there. I think Canada does Boxing Day as well. Yeah. I've only ever heard the joke telling of what Boxing Day is about, which is uh, it's when you rebox all the crap and take it back to the store that you don't like. But I've never actually done the full investigation on uh, Boxing Day itself. And if uh, the, it's like a passed through all of uh, the different places we took over, essentially, and uh, they might keep it if they want to or get rid of it if they don't. Um, well, because I was he's... raised on uh, on television, uh, like television, my, my dad's name was, uh, you know, fucking RCA. Uh the way I learned about Boxing Day was MASH. Was uh, when they, like, it's Christmas, they come across, uh, I want to say it's a British unit. Uh, ah, nailed it. And, yeah. uh, like, and Boxing Day afterward, um, the officers do the enlisted men's duties. Like, they, they have a switch 
um, you know, just for a day where like, you know, you're, you're essentially your service staff can kind of kick it easy while you, you know, cook a meal and do all the hard work for them. Um, and I've heard it done like kind of the same way with like, you know, larger households with like service staff and stuff like that, where, you know, the, the maids and stuff are given the day off, like, you know, and, and the staff is re-gifted things that people don't want. <laughs> so, yep, that, that, that about lines up perfectly with what I'm looking up here on the internet. It looks like it is, yeah, they say it's basically passed through all the different Commonwealth British Empire countries. It's just sort of this tradition they passed around everywhere and everywhere that wanted to keep it still's got it. Um, but then going into uh, just Boxing Day in Australia actually involves kangaroos. Is that where kangaroo boxing comes from? It's the one day it's legal to just like punch a kangaroo in the face, hundred <laughs> percent. Like, <laughs> been looking at that Maui kangaroo across the street for a year now. <laughs> you wait for kangaroo purge day. <laughs> I'm an eye at that Joey. He's ripped. Oh, Go fight. Grab me hanky. <laughs> so, I read some, there was a man who like jumped out of a plane, lands with his parachute, and then within like 10 seconds gets kicked in the face by a kangaroo. Uh, one of those just uh, random news article things that pops up uh, trying to get you to clickbait on it. Probably <laughs> happened six years ago when you actually read the article, but saw that was the thing that happened at some point, allegedly. Uh, <laughs> But uh, uh, kicking into uh, other countries that I've never been to, um, things that they've got. Um, we, we, we've been talking about a Romanian uh, listener single uh, that basically seems to have popped into our uh, podcast in the last couple of days, maybe a week or so. Uh, we two or three weeks since uh, then when uh, this actually hits air. But uh, so I decided to look up uh, Romanian holiday and uh this this just kind of tickled me pink because it sounds like i would have wrote it and probably somebody like me did write it so sorry romania if this wasn't actually factual um we've got uh christmas season in romania kicks off right after saint andrew's day november 30th uh when local when according to local legend uh vampires and evil spirits come to light um the period leading up to christmas is filled with wonderful celebrations to try and make it more of a festive time of year uh national romanian day is december 1st and then saint nicholas has his own day at some point in there um and yeah then the uh, the great roman uh or romanian not roman uh pronunciation on the name there uh for saint nicholas Mosnikal. uh gotta love that give him give him like a straight up vampire name although that's another one i want to see now is just like a vampire dracula uh straight up christmas uh i mean <laughs> Have they done a good? Whoa, okay. This was. Can you imagine? Like, what did you give me for Christmas this year? I got you the same thing I got you last year. People on pikes. Look, (laughs) as far as the eye can see, the heads of our enemies. Uh, What we do in the shadows needs to do a Christmas episode. Yeah. That would be fucking amazing. So. would it be if like Santa Claus were a vampire? Would it be okay for if he were like the one vampire that sparkled? <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like that's the pass. 
Like <laughs> he's the one where they all like got the idea for like they heard there was a sparkly motherfucker. No one just thought to look for fucking Santa Claus to figure out who it was. <laughs> I mean, it explains only coming out at night. You never see Santa during the day. He has to send out little representatives. That because he can never look in the mirror. <laughs> Can't be self conscious. No. Doesn't know. All the elves are lying to him. Yeah, but they're they're all immortal. I mean, it explains no, the immortality. There's totally thing. that scene from what we do in the the shadows. Like, they're the elves are drawing the Santa and like showing him. <laughs> yeah, you know what it is. You know what it is. They're not elves. They're like when he goes around visiting children, he grabs a new batch of elves that he makes immortal <laughs> children that he sets to work in his like joy factory. Hmm. So, talking about some evil Santas, uh, like they, bad Santas are a thing. Uh, my favorite evil Santa is Futurama evil Santa. <laughs> uh, he's good. American Dad's got a pretty solid evil Santa too. Uh, they've been doing him for at least way uh, in the earlier, probably like t- first ten seasons of the show. Uh, they would alternate between different types of Christmas episodes, and every other year they would go back to the story of uh, the Smiths versus Santa Claus. And uh, they actually did um, uh, Krampus one year, and Krampus was good, and Santa was actually the evil one, and we had all been tricked. And uh, <clears throat> I always thought that was a great twist on the whole thing, make, making Santa actually evil because he's like trying to uh, encourage all the uh, capitalism and all that. They, they, they slid him in a little bit later in the timeline history for that, but yeah. Did you ever watch The Magicians? I'm on season four. Oh, so you've already been introduced to Santa. Oh, God. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool take on him. Like, I thought that was a really fun take on Santa. Um, one of the other, you know, we, we actually have been dancing around the uh, Germanic and Norse traditions uh, for a hot minute here. So let's let's take a moment to really reflect on Julie Puki and Schwarzpita, Black Peter, and uh, and the Krampus, because uh, the Germanic traditions get dark. It's Germanic in origin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, I was gonna say like it's really interesting because uh, you know we were talking about that that you know kind of microcosm of, of reward and punishment here uh and it's interesting how just inherently um un-pc krampus and like all of his descendants are <laughs> like from like top to bottom like krampus is uh and even in, in in the venture episode you know he's straight up like molesting people and you know kids are on the menu for that uh, you know, well, licking yeah, with the tongues the and like is, the, the humping and stuff. And then the like you move on to like Zwart Pete and that's just straight up blackface. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, it's cultural. Uh, you know, I don't understand a lot of the like, okay, first off, they're using blackface to represent a Spanish Moor, which I think is really interesting. Like, uh, so how pale 
are these fucking people where like anybody with a tan looks black like okay. like Forrest Whitaker black if there's one more world war against like the world versus Germany and whoever they wrangle together I think we can take German culture just like away from them like they're that close to the line like we don't take away anybody's culture as a planet but they're, they're like one strike away uh <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you keep the pickle in three. That's not even ours. <laughs> um, in, in Austria, they uh, the Krampus has come back with a vengeance. So let, let, let's talk about the Krampus really, really, really quickly. He's half, goat, half demon, and who during Christmas season punishes children who have misbehaves. Right as opposed to St. Nick who brings gifts. Um, Krampus uh, frequents Austria, Bavaria, Croatia, Hungary, Northern Italy, including South Tyrol and Trentino, as well as the Czech Republic and Slovenia. Uh, the origin of the figure is unclear, but some folklorists and anthropologists have postulated it as having a pre-Christian origin. Um, it, it comes across as very Alpine, right? Um, he like what is it that he does like he runs around um, he is like he's got cloven hooves he's got goat horns he's got a long pointed tongue that lolls out he's got fangs uh, he often has chains around him which some people speculate uh, symbolizes the binding of the devil by the Christian church um, he's got rutin which are bundles of birch branches uh, which he swats children with. Um, there's speculation that the Rutin may have had significance in pre-Christian pagan initiation rites. So like some type of cultural beat-in. Um, he has Ew. a sack or a basket strapped to his back to cart off evil children for either drowning, transport to hell, or eating. So when you said children are on the menu, you weren't kidding, Okay. Um, that is also a, uh, an element that is found in Black Peter, Svante Piet, right? And Julie Pukki as well, I believe, uh, who is well, and, the... Uh, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, that was actually my favorite part of, of Venture Krampus, are the two kids in the back, like, constantly crying, yeah. like... <laughs> the Asking for help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, based on, you know, kind of the description of Krampus uh, from Aaron Mankey's lore um, and, and some other descriptions, like the, the venture uh, version is, is very like on point. Like it's very, you know, uh, it, it's a kind of a feral beastie creature sniffs you out and oh, then like kind of Dionysus. Yeah. Um, you're supposed to leave schnapps for him interesting he can be uh bribed by by like with alcohol well, not, let, let, not, let's not. think about it let's think about it if santa is coming you're going to leave out milk and cookies what does santa really want i used to leave a margarita for santa claus by about like nine years old i think <laughs> I, I we made the switch uh yeah, I knew I knew Santa wasn't really drinking milk, so uh, yeah, I decided to give old man a fucking margarita. <laughs> like, we'll switch it up for him. Um, that was that was a smarter call. 
presence got better. In Austria, the Krampus has made a hard comeback over the past 20 years. And uh, last year, in fact, there were reports of Krampuses running around causing all kinds of mischief. So in the U.S., we have SantaCon, which is just Santarchy. Uh, over there, apparently, last year, they had Kramparchy. Now, okay, is this like a... Is this like a thing people are, are doing and like, you know, it's again, like SantaCon a little bit more formalized or is this like the, uh, the clowns with the balloons bullshit? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> that is a thousand percent Where what I was thinking. Like, There's also some like guy in the woods who just comes out like and you just your kid Krampus your is coming in and like whipping your kids and like throwing rocks at you or something. Like <laughs> you're like, the fuck is that? Like Can you imagine? Can you imagine a holiday tradition in the near future in Austria where like it's kind of like the purge, except you can get them to leave you alone as long as you throw schnapps at them? <laughs> you leave like a case of schnapps. <laughs> yeah, it's like they go around. It's like Christmas carols. But instead of like slinging songs, they're like going to burn down your house unless you've got booze. So it's a... Uh like a purge but trick or treat but booze is the only acceptable treat <laughs> like, well yeah. and then you know what i do like i would go like i would yeah. take a, a, a like a, a series like a shillelagh some sort of like hard short uh, i'll let you i will let you use that word if you can spell it without yeah. looking it up no uh so anyway <laughs> uh I, I would get this like uh, stick with a knob on the end and essentially <laughs> go around uh, topping off like uh, you know drunk Krampuses roaming the streets just crunching that melon whack <laughs> and like I would have a living room full of stuffed Krampuses uh, they also have a Krampus society in the United States it's kind of like SantaCon Interesting. It's been around for about four or five years. It's called the Krampus Society Walk. What I gotta like tell you're... you, what parts of Krampus are they really going with here? Like, is this just a fun thing to dress up with? Or are they legit like, all right, I'm gonna go lick me a hot chick and then beat oh, her you, with you birch know. branches? Well, I mean, okay, like... You and I both know some, like, let's call them alternative parents, you know, they, you know, do the, the holistic thing and, you know, maybe even dabble in paganism and this, that, or the other, right? Uh, you know, I love the way you say dabble in paganism, like it's not just poly. Yeah, no, really. I mean, uh, that, that's actually <laughs> one of my favorite whole, like, passages from American Gods. We'll get there one day, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, which, which goddess do you worship again? Uh, no, anyway, so, um, like, you know, at this, like, Krampus uh, club, that there are some parents, and there are two kids there who are like, we have to do, like, we have to be the screaming kids again? I'm getting too old to be the screaming kid in the backpack. Like, <laughs> just one more year, honey. Like, <laughs> <Right. laughs> when do I get to play Tiny Tim? did did you just tell me that you auditioned for the nativity you get in that backpack right now or i will hit you with this bird like this bundle of birch sticks 
That's pretty solid. That's pretty solid. Um, are there any other amazing holiday traditions or wishes that you would like to share uh, with our guests? Um, just as we've been talking about it a little bit, uh, but it's there's so many of them to see. Uh, if anybody's seen all of the the different uh, Christmas Carol renditions that have been done on television through sitcom format and every other format imaginable, <clears throat> um, I'd, I'd be severely impressed. Uh, but the one that's sort of a standout for me that we do as a tradition at my house every year, uh, if you've never caught the Flintstones Christmas Carol, uh, they do this really cool version of it where it's not just a straight, oh, everyone gets swapped in and we just kind of run through the story. It's actually them putting on a stage production of it. And Fred finds himself basically being a real life Scrooge. And as far as versions of that one go, they actually get a lot deeper into the more messed up parts of that, um, the original story, uh, specifically towards the end um, that most of the kid versions kind of gloss over. So I feel like if you've got kids and you want them to see the full, um, Get a, get a little bit get a little bit more real right at the end. The ending hits a little bit harder than most ones do, and just the uh, the the originality that they kind of showed way back when. Because I want to say it was actually one of the older ones, at least eighties or seventies, it came out. Um, really kind of a unique take on it. So uh, if you can find it out there, I looked on HBO Max. They've got a few different Flintstones Christmas ones, but not unfortunately the Christmas Carol. Uh, but it's a great one. Uh, my favorite uh, kind of personal Christmas tradition uh, that I've been keeping up for some time is uh, I will always watch a little bit of Doctor Who on Christmas. Um, and I very much like looking up the uh, Royal Academy lectures. Um, that's probably one of my favorite, like, you know, Christmas things ever, uh, just because they're they're super fun. Um, no, it's uh, we didn't have like a huge like religious base for christmas but it's weird because i understand like the social importance of it so I, I i do have this kind of like reverence in a way uh but no i mean i i basically just kind of use it to to exercise the most hopeful things and that's why i'm always like you know that's why i miss the doctor who christmas special i thought that was a good thing for the 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 pickup on that uh you know that's why i like kind of getting into the science lectures uh Are for a long time uh, no, they actually haven't been doing them for Christmas since the, the Jodie Whittaker run. They've been doing New Year's uh, specials. Huh. Um, yeah, it's kind of a neat little change up. No, no problem there. Um, no, I mean, I really that's that's kind of what I, I always try to focus around on on Christmas. Like, it, it, I mean, it's been a while, so I know I'm due for a good like hard holiday cry uh when was the last time you actually watched love actually um i don't think i've watched it since like alan rickman passed away uh <laughs> so that's gonna make it even harder um which one was that i love actually oh oh what oh okay so it was a british ensemble uh cast that it was a movie that like went international it's got like 12 storylines going through it and uh, like it's well, all about okay. oh yeah dude it it is complete just saccharine christmas like schlock that will 
have you crying cocoa peppermint tears by the end of it like it, it, it i hate how because uh, I, I i have such like severe sensibilities but this movie gets to me <laughs> well i was I just gonna say because those like type movies Creek. usually those ones usually grind my gears a little bit just the um uh the 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 12 i mean even it won all the awards and everything the year it came out but like they just crash bugged the hell out of me traffic was it called traffic as well they did the same thing oh crash crash was one of them that just the way they they just do this sort of random bouncing around and oh but the story's all i was like didn't tell a story like you don't need to tell me like nine stories or five stories i just those ones always just give me this like you're just trying to be clever to be clever you're not being clever because you came up with something clever you're just trying to make the clever equation work uh it's more like an exercise as opposed well, to no, i mean here's the I, I completely get that except for this is british people so it actually is clever or to my uh, like to my my your, dumb american ears to your ear we clever. sound quite clever yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> but i mean it, it, it has a wonderful <laughs> cast. oh dude it's got andrew lincoln on it in the cast before uh he was on walking dead hmm. yeah um i think we can see if i can find somewhere and of course, I know uh, Savage actually celebrates the Wookiee's Life Day. Uh, that's that's one of his favorite holidays. I cannot express to you how many times I have seen the new Lego Star Wars holiday special in the past week. Yeah, I don't know that it it is it has become a time soup where every moment blends into every other moment because we're reliving the same moments, the same 42-minute moment over and over and over and over again, odd infinitum. Uh, For a so, moment, you get to feel like Dr. Manhattan. Like. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah exactly. I don't know. Um, like, time is happening simultaneously. Is this tomorrow or yesterday or... All I know is eventually I end up in hell. Ha <laughs> uh, three, he there. The the things that we have to watch are the Star Wars Lego Holiday Special that just came out, and the other part we have to watch is where Obi Wan Kenobi dismembers Anakin and then he catches fire. We watch those parts on repeat. Okay, without being the 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 I've now seen it eight hundred thousand times person that you are, is it any good? I haven't caught it yet. Oh, it's delicious. It's okay. hilarious. <laughs> All right, we'll have to give it's, it a shot then. It is spectacular. It is a marked improvement over the original nineteen seventy eight. Now you got to my second question. What uh, what what's your hot take on the original? <laughs> uh, I mean, hey, we we get Boba Fett in this weird heavy metal animation thing uh with lando because that's a thing um the original like the the general premise was okay star wars is a whole thing how do we kind of extend this out a little bit kind of keep things going and they came up with the star wars holiday special and the star wars holiday special if you've never seen it is worth finding on the internet much to george lucas's eternal shame you can still find it on the internet Whereas for uh, what two decades it was only available in like badly copied VHS format, right? Like, did did you ever see it on VHS back in the day? Uh, I 
saw it on YouTube bootlegged from somebody's VHS. And the, was, the, like, I, it was one of those, you could tell it had been copied and recopied to copy. Like it, it, this was like three or four generations of like dissemination. Yeah. Or more in its own way. It was its own little holiday tradition. It just gets copied and passed on, copied and passed on. And getting a copy back in the day was like, it, it, it was like your buddy in the sixth grade getting a porno. You know what I mean? Like it had that air of mysticism to it. Like, it, wait, you got what? Like you'd have to go pick it up at like a comic convention or, you know, it would just get passed on. Like it would just be all these things. And yeah, it's, it's awful. It, it's so bad. I strongly encourage checking it out. So that when you see the new Lego Star Wars holiday special, you will realize what a dramatic improvement. And you know what my favorite part about the uh, most recent holiday special was? It is every bit of Star Wars all at once. It's just yeah, that fun. sounds accurate. They go through and they make it so that you are coming across. <laughs> uh, like Ray has to go find this like cave, which gives her access to all time. And so she just starts dropping in to all the different movies. And sometimes they're in really convenient locations. And other times it is wildly inconvenient. Like at one part, she drops into Obi-Wan and Anakin fighting on Mustafar. And she's like, ah, this is not good. <laughs> right. And then at some point things go wrong because the Emperor and Darth Vader are chasing her and go through time too. So she keeps blowing these wormholes, but they keep getting bigger, which means more and more people are being sucked in with them. So you'll end up with multiple Luke's, multiple Hans, multi like, you nice. know, it, you've got it's like at one point, mummy. three different, you've yeah. got three different Obi-Wans, right? And they're like, why, hello there. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's just, it's great. It's great. I'm, and you I'm can Alan, watch yeah. it all day. <laughs> uh, I haven't done my, like, I haven't started my traditional viewings of uh, Christmas Vacation yet. That's probably one of my all-time favorites. Uh, well, like, you know what the one scene that will forever, forever crack me up? The sled. Yes. Dude, like without fail. Like if, if I see coming up, I get giddy. Like I'm like, oh, and then he puts his hands down. Boom. It's just that like that smash effect. Like it, he's, he's got there. It's peekaboo with like flames behind it. It's great. Uh, and of course, also, uh, being from the South, I do appreciate Merry Christmas Shitters Full. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I felt like that visiting family, like sometimes, like <laughs> um, being the bumpkin cousins and all that. But like, uh, no, nah, I mean, it, it, Christmas vacation is probably, um, I think, a little bit more culturally present to me than like a Christmas story per se. Like everybody always puts those two together. Uh, I I feel like to some degree that's. You know, A Christmas Story was written by the same person who wrote The Lottery. Really? Did you ever read The Lottery? And then yes, you find out what it's really about? Yeah, same author. Oh, no, like the, the uh, fucking, uh, who was it? Um, 
the South Park episode that they did about the lottery was was brilliant. Like, come to find out, like, that's what teenage pop stars are. Like, Britney Spears had won the lottery. Uh, <laughs> and this was when she was, like, going crazy. Uh, Vaughn, you look a little perplexed there. Are you not familiar with the lottery? No, I'm trying to pull it out of my brain. I can't seem to find it anywhere. But what, 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 what was it? It's a short story. And basically, like, if you win the lottery, uh, you are very well taken care of. You win a lot of money. You know, you don't have to go to work or anything. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm backing this up. I just had to go back and double check. Uh, a Christmas Story is written by Gene Shepard. The Lottery is written by Shirley Jackson. Gene Shepard had a career in radio, in television, and in music. He also had, uh, uh, let's see, I was trying to look for other stories. I feel like, what am I mistaking this for? Was there another Shirley Jackson film? that uh that got made yeah so I'm, I'm banding that summary now because it's irrelevant anyway uh <laughs> die hard uh excellent christmas film no it's not eat a dick excellent film not a christmas movie <laughs> it takes place at christmas it's a christmas i'm just movie. taking the other side here i actually do think it's a christmas movie <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shirley jackson also wrote we have always lived in the castle nothing important a Haunting, Long Twilight, The Lottery, and Lizzie, 1957's Lizzie. Oh, I think that's about uh, Lizzie Borden's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you want to go get the tree? Hang on, I'll grab the axe. Ah, one of my favorite things that they do uh, in the episode is, you know, when they do the, the smash up of all the, the Christmas things, all the Christmas dreams. And all that. One of the things I wish that they would have covered, and I, they didn't have enough time, is the ridiculousness of like '80s Chris, like '80s cartoons, like Transformers Christmas, Thundercats Christmas, like <laughs> Thunder, Thunder, Thundercats, Ho, Ho, Ho! Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, um, honestly, like. Uh, one of the things yeah, one of the things we've been watching uh, on repeat uh, has been a lot of Scooby Doo. Uh, we watched the entire uh, like was it Scooby Doo? Guess who? Uh, over the past like two weeks, like twice now, um, with particular emphasis on the DC ones and Santa Claus, because after Thanksgiving, like they know that Santa Claus is coming. They're not sure when. They're like, well, when is Christmas? I'm like, well, it's still like, you know, about a month away. And they're like, but it was a month away like yesterday. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's that's how time works. And they're like, exactly how fucking long is a month? And yeah, I can't explain that to my children. Because uh, I don't have the mental capacity to do that. One of my favorite uh, kind of savage holiday traditions is uh, Sharknado. It started almost by complete accident, and we have kept it up for seven years now. B-movie Christmas? Well, it just Sharknado in particular. Like, luckily, there are, like, five of them now. So, uh, but we just, it's just, it's one of those things. Like, Ha 1 was into sharks, and then Ha 2 was really into sharks, and then Ha 3, I'm sure we'll just be holding his lifesaver while we watch sharks fly through the air. Uh, 
Well, and now that Disney Plus is a thing, uh, I'm really hoping they're going to put up all the uh, the Muppet specials. Uh, there was one in particular that I loved. It was the Muppets and uh, Sesame Street all got together, and they're in like a snowstorm. Oh, and it wasn't just that. It was Fraggle Rock, like the whole kind of Jim Henson oh, like macrocosm. If you want that, I've got that. You know I do. Okay. <laughs> So one of the biggest traditions in my house, and it has been for years since torrenting was really a thing, uh, we got every Christmas episode of absolutely everything. There's like a probably like a 50 to 60 gig file of just Christmas crap uh, sitting on my computer, just all the sitcom episodes, all the everything. So uh, yeah, I can throw some stuff at you. I got that Christmas Carol one too on there, so I can throw that up on somewhere that you guys can grab it. <laughs> Well, and one of my uh, favorite we can, in we can, in theory, uh, we we literally can't get through all of the Christmas stuff that we have. We've never gotten through all of it in one year. Uh, you just can't dedicate that much time to it. <laughs> one of my favorite things to do post Christmas, uh, leading into like New Year's, uh, is I like to rewatch Storyteller. Oh yeah, that's such a good one. Oh, dude, uh, like the first season with John Hurt and then the, the second season with the Greek myths with Michael Gambon. Uh, that's kind of what I like to do for for like New Year's festivities is is like folk tales, stuff like that. Just and Jim Henson shit. Like the weirder he can make the puppets at that point. Awesome. Tomato <laughs> Massa Christmas. It's pretty spectacular. Conjectural Technologies Podcast is hosted, produced, and researched by me, Beast Lamode, Professor Brock Savage, and Vaude Villain. Edited by Beast Lamode and Vaude Villain. Intro music produced by Professor Brock Savage. Email us at conjecturaltechpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at conjecttech underscore pot and go team venture <laughs> <laughs>